What's up, everybody? It's Miles Turner, the Indiana Pacers. You're listening to the Pacers Podcast. Be sure to follow at Pacers on Twitter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pacers Podcast, the only Australian NBA podcast with a bias towards the Indiana Pacers. And we did not think we would be coming to you this soon. Fully expected after the sweep that we would have at least a week to breathe, watch the playoffs, you know, see what happens in the East, see what happens with commentary after the season, and then boom, you wake up this morning, you scroll through Twitter after the fact that the NBA boycotted all of today's games, and you find that Nate McMillan was relieved of his duties as the Indiana Pacers head coach in a shocking move. Uh, we all, you know, we've spoken about Nate at length. Uh, we've done our very best to be positive and defend, you know, the job that he's done with the injuries that he's had. But, you know, the last couple of episodes we've had, we couldn't really defend anything anymore in this club, including the coach. Um, and Alex, it, it it really took us all by surprise. But at the same time, I think the fact that ownership clearly said enough's enough, no more sweeps, no more losing, shows that they were as angry about the result as we were. Yeah, and that's that's exactly right, isn't it? So, you know, we, we've defended Nate more than I think at least anyone on Pacers Twitter. And even, you know, as you said, we, we haven't been able to defend the, the playoff series against the Heat. It was pretty inexcusable. And I know that not everything that happened this season and everything that's happened in the last couple of playoffs is, is his fault, but I've never been more proud of the Simons than today because what they said was, we are not going to sit here and, and see our team get swept year after year and just and just say, run it back. We, we can't let that happen. So they've finally said, and we talked about it, didn't we, on the last episode, we want to yep. see them do something yep. that it's says be a to move. the fan base. Yeah, we want to see them do something that says to us, diehard fans, we are trying to win. We're not just trying to be a playoff team. We're trying to win. So, you know, like I said, we, I... <laughs> I think it's pretty stiff if you look at Nate's performance in the regular season. I think he got a lot out of them. And I just want to say, I know a lot of people are are ragging on him and saying he's terrible and all this, but he did a fantastic job with this Pacers team. And he got a lot out of them. I know he was disappointing in the playoffs, but he he still did. I mean, he was on track for 50 wins this season. So he deserves some credit for what he got out of this roster. I mean, you know, four seasons, uh, they said it in uh, in the statement that the team put out today. And I found it really interesting that they not only highlighted his overall record, but they made a point to highlight his playoff record. And that was a little bit of a backhander on the way out, I think. You know, I think it was, if you read between the lines, they were clearly trying to articulate to not only um, the fan base, but the overall NBA media by saying, you know, Nate's overall record and then remarking that he was 3-16 and in the playoffs. Justin, it's clear why this move was made, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's always funny when something, I guess, major happens with the Pacers, just hearing what the national media say, because you frankly know they don't watch Pacers at all. Um, yeah. I know Scott Van Pelt, I was watching his show and he said he had no idea what the Pacers were doing, what what has Kevin Pritchard done. Um, and, you know, like you two know, I've been Nate's biggest supporter, but then I started to waver after this playoff series because... Yeah, we just saw no adjustments. Um, and yeah, I echo your sentiments, Alex, with saying about Herb Simon. It, fantastic. He's called Kevin and said, nah, he's gone. Like, I'm not putting up with this as an owner. Um, we mentioned how much money he would have lost due to COVID with his Simon Malls being closed. So this has cost him more money for... He's, he's copped a lot of flack in the media with all the Paul George, Anthony Davis stuff with, oh, he's a cheap owner. Well, he's just proved today 
that he's he's wanting the Indiana Pacers to succeed. And I know there's a lot of stuff to come from this and a lot of stuff we'll talk about in the episode, but um, I just want to say it's massive that this happened before player exit meetings. This was not yep. a Kevin Pritchard conversation with Oladipo and Turner and, you know, him saying, oh, the players aren't going to want to play for Nate. That's a statement. It was a it, statement. Yeah, it, it's the owner saying, this is not good enough. We need to do better. And, you know, I think no one, I think I've prefaced this with no one ever likes to see anyone get fired for any reason for anything. I mean, unless you've done something horrid and you deserve to lose your job from there. No one likes to see a coach get fired, a player get, you know, cut. At the end of the day, we're talking about people's livelihoods here. Nate will be fine. He's made a lot of money from the NBA over the last 20, 25 years as a player and then a coach. Um, so, you know, I, I I think this won't be his last job in the NBA. He'll either be an assistant or, an, or another head co- get another head coaching job before you know it. Um, but at the same time, it's it's hard not to be impressed by the commitment to change and the sentiment on um, certainly the circles that that we look at and run in, run in has been that we just want to see a statement being made because the 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 effort that was put up in the series against Miami and then last year in the series against Boston was just unbecoming of an Indiana Pacers basketball team. A sweep doesn't just say that the team was better than you. It says that you didn't fight to get that one win or those two wins to make it a, make it a series. And, you know, we've seen examples of teams like Orlando taking a win off, uh, off Milwaukee, we've seen Portland take a win off LA. If those teams can win, why can't we take a game off Miami, who are not the first or the second best team in the Eastern Conference? So I think it was a blight on the coaching staff. It'll be really interesting to see what happens and we'll, we'll turn our attention to the potential names being thrown around in a moment. But uh, I want to talk about the roster first. Um, you know, we've talked about all year... Uh, Stand like a broken record, but Miles Turner wasn't really unlocked this year. His potential hasn't really been unlocked over the last couple of years. And to be honest, we haven't been excited about the way that Miles Turner has been used on the basketball court since Frank Vogel was the coach of the Indiana Pacers. So, you know, Alex, it, does this not only extend Miles's career with Indiana long term, but does it also give him an opportunity to to be coached by an individual that values his skill set and wants to embrace it? I mean, I sure hope so, man. I really do because you guys know, I mean, everyone that listens to this show and anyone who's ever seen me tweet anything knows I'm a massive Miles fan. So, and I said it, man, I tweeted after the series. I was, I was just about done, man. I think it got to the point where even with multiple injuries and, and you know, guys not performing that well, he still wasn't getting used. So I was like, well, what is the point of him even being on this roster if he's not getting any shot attempts on, on the offense? And just on the Frank Vogel, for people that say, we're still waiting on the Miles Turner breakout year. We're still waiting on it. You know, we've been saying that for a few years. Well, it's pretty hard to have that breakout year when your shot attempts go down every season, which they have since Frank Vogel left. His usage rate has dropped every single season since Frank Vogel left. So as you said, I think with a new coach and just on the names thrown around, I saw that the Pacers' number one option was Mike D'Antoni. And just the thought of Miles being used in a, in a Mike D'Antoni system got me excited because he's the type of coach that would, or he's the type of player, I should say, that I believe at least would flourish under his system. Yeah, I, I think 
we I was going to leave it a little longer before I talk about head coaching candidates, but I can see that Justin is busting to talk about Mike D'Antoni as a potential coach of the Indiana Pacers, and I feel like he's got uh, the opposite viewpoint. Um, I When I saw that Mike D'Antoni was the target, my first instinct was, really? Um, just because the, the roster obviously doesn't fit the style that, that Mike D'Antoni plays. Um, but there's also the fact that he's an older coach that's never been to the NBA finals before. And that concerns me a little bit. I would rather go with a younger, more developing coach that, that could be better. I feel like we already know what, what Mike D'Antoni is as a coach and we know where it, where he's been and what he's done and what he's done is, you know, score at a, a really high clip. He'll, you know, you know, that he, whoever he coaches, it's a reasonably exciting team to watch unless it's this Houston ISO ball team. But um, yeah, it, it seems like a really weird fit. Seems like that there'd be a lot of roster changes that would happen after Mike D'Antoni. But but Justin, I'll, I'll give it to give it over to you. When Alex said Mike D'Antoni, I saw you saw you shake your head vigorously. Are you concerned if Mike D'Antoni is the next coach? Yeah, I, I am personally. Like we've just got rid of Nate McMillan, who we've all said, oh, he does a good job in regular season, but we can't win in the playoffs. But then you want a coach who's essentially the same in that sense. Like mm. Mike D'Antoni posts a 672 and 527 win win ratio in the regular season, which is great. But he's 51 and 51 in the postseason, so he can't win in the playoffs. It's been proven. He Laker fan, New York Knicks fans, Laker fans, they wanted him gone the second he arrived. He, to me, you mentioned that Adam, his teams are usually exciting, but. Houston is the most unwatchable team in the league. I'd rather, I'd much rather watch Pacers put up 90 points a game than the way Houston play basketball. Honestly, yeah. I don't want to see Oladipo and Brogdon jack threes with 18 seconds left on the shot clock every possession. It, it, his, his system will never win an NBA championship, Mike D'Antoni. I hope if the powers that be listen to this episode, they do a wide-ranging search in the coaching ranks before going all in on Mike D'Antoni. Like, my only concern is, and that's why I'm glad they pulled the trigger early, Brooklyn, Chicago, Philadelphia, and New Orleans are all without a coach. So we have to enter the ring. Like, there's going to be coaches snapped up in the next few months. Like, everyone's going to be looking for that next coach. So we can't be left behind and get, you know, the fifth best coach in a month. There's a merry-go-round happening right now, isn't there? I mean, you've got Kenny Atkinson, you've got Alvin Gentry, um, you've got Brett Brown more recently, you've got Tyron Lue, Jason Kidd, Mark Jackson, Becky Hammond, his name's been thrown around for a potential job, uh, Adrian Griffin, the assistant coach for, for Toronto. So you've got all these sort of names that are being thrown around. No one... No one of those names speaks to me in terms of, wow, they'd be the saviour that we're looking for. But at the same time, I think I think going after just the most established of those names would be a very Pacers move, but also probably the wrong one. I, I think you, as you say, we, we know what D'Antoni's capable of. Uh, I would... I would be loath to see a Dan Tony or a Brett Brown coach this team after we've just seen them not succeed over a five, six, seven year period. Um, I would be more interested in giving an opportunity to a coach that's a little bit more unproven because the last time we gave an opportunity to a coach that was a little bit more unproven, we made the Eastern Conference Finals two years in a row. So 
Um, I, I tend to favor a new voice, a fresh voice. Um, it definitely needs to be a player's coach. I think though, you know, um, teams have a tendency to overcorrect with this stuff. And Nate McMillan was uh, called Sarge for a reason. He drove the players hard. He always, you know, was very regimented, et cetera. So I think they will go after a coach that is far more player and relationship oriented. I know that it was said in a couple of articles today about the lack of relationship building in the team. And um, Alex, would you prefer, I guess, with that trait in mind, would you prefer an established, experienced uh, coach with a few stops along the way, or are you willing to give an opportunity to a long-time assistant like an Imo Doka or an Adrian Griffin, uh, someone that's you know potentially like Adrian Griffin, an offensive-minded guy that could give us uh, a different perspective and and supercharge the offense? Yeah, I think you you got to go whatever way the paces go. It has to be someone who is an offensive-minded coach because when they replace Vogel. Let's be honest, they replaced him with a with a light version of himself, didn't they? Nate McMillan is yep. essentially Frank Vogel 2.0. So I think they're not going to make that same mistake. They're going to go someone completely different. And yeah, I think you're right. I think D'Antoni is too much one way, although I will argue in his case, him in a Pacers system with Dan Burke and with a defensive-minded system would be better than what he's had especially in Houston. I'll just say that, but yep. a, name you threw, a name you threw up there was Kenny Atkinson. I think he's a guy that got a ton out of a young Brooklyn team. He, he could definitely be a potential suitor, but I, yeah, I think Chicago will probably go after him or, or the Knicks or one of those teams. So the Pacers have to swipe uh, swoop early, I should say, which is why I think they will go after assistant coach. I think it will be a name that, that none of us are even mentioning. I think the, the Pacers clearly have something in mind. And Dan Tony is also going to cost too much money, I think. They, you know, Woj tweeted that earlier today. So for me, the Pacers, I mean, they always do something that no one expects, don't they? So I think it's going to be something similar to that this season, this offseason, okay. I should say. It's funny you say that because, you know, we were sitting here three, four weeks ago talking about how Zach Lowe was saying it was the hottest rumor on campus that Nate McMillan's job was at stake. All of a sudden, he got an extension. And then they turn around and fired him. So, you know, it, for, just forgetting the extension, because to be honest, it doesn't seem like that mattered at all. Um, Justin, it, it seems like the what we were hearing earlier in the bubble, there might have been some merit to that, which is very unpaces like because usually nothing gets out of this organisation. Possibly, yeah. But it goes true to what we all said in how much this series matters to Indiana. Yeah. Like, we said it from the get-go. There's going to be so many storylines from what happens with this series. I tell you what, we're not recording this episode right now if Pacers loot lost in seven games. I'm telling you right now. I do not think he would have got the sack if it was a hard-fought seven-game series. I think the sweep was just embarrassing. Herb Simon would have been embarrassed two years in a row. You know, people say, oh, you know, once it's 3-0, it doesn't matter. Well... Every game matters because we just essentially fired a coach because we've got swept again. Now, yeah, I'm not too sure who the replacement is. Um, You know, you could even throw Mark Jackson in there, um, a former pacer. There might be some ties there. I'm not saying I'd want him, but um, Ty Lue, you know, there's, there's a lot of names out there. I'm not too sure. I guess waking up seeing the news, it, although, yeah, it, I'm upset for Nate because I think he did such a gun, uh, like good job, but 
it gives us hope that the Pacers want to succeed. And that's the biggest thing. Like, we were so down, all three of us, and all the Pacer Nation on that ending to the year that obviously the Pacers front office has now given the fans some hope coming into next year. And we mentioned it all together. I don't see the roster being the same. Like, I don't think they'll run it back anymore. I think there will be significant moves in the offseason. Well, speaking of, I mean, you know, it's been well documented that reading between the lines of a couple of articles earlier in the season, that there was clearly a, a, a bit of a difference in opinion between Victor Oladipo and Nate McMillan. Um, and, you know, there, there wasn't, wasn't a whole lot of love lost there. It seems like from the insider articles that we've read today that there was also a bit of friction between Brogdon and McMillan, Turner and McMillan, Oladipo and McMillan. Alex, do you think that this is a, I guess, a sign to the not a, not only the, the fans but also the roster? We want to get better. We want to get a better voice in here for you, and we understand that you know there wasn't a a willingness to adapt and change and evolve. One hundred percent, man. I think Justin, you've said this in multiple episodes. It's a players' league. If you if you're KP and you're you're Herb Simon and your best players are coming to you saying we don't like this guy. We, we don't want to play for him anymore. What are they going to do? Are they going to choose the players or are they going to choose the coach? 99% of the time, they're going to choose the players and, and that's what they did today. And the fact that four key players are un, unhappy with your coach, unhappy with your system, tells you you're probably doing something wrong. So, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I think, I think Vic stays. Oh, it's so hard for me to say because I don't think the Pacers want to give him a max which is probably the biggest deterrent of Victor Oladipo, which is probably the reason he doesn't re-sign here. But you fire the coach. That's KP going, Vic, we want you here, and we're going to do whatever it takes to keep you here. So maybe, I, maybe I'm being optimistic, but I think they do run this roster back next year. Yeah, I actually think something similar. I think unless they get a D'Antoni in, if they get a D'Antoni in and they have to transform things dramatically... Um, then that's one thing. But if they get an assistant coach or they get just a new voice, a more player-oriented voice, someone who's going to drive a better offense um, and a better execution on offense, I think they, they roll the dice with the same, the same lineup with the exception of Victor Oladipo because I think yeah. you need to either get his blessing on the coaching hire and sign him to an extension or alternatively understand that he's not going to sign an extension and trade him, as we've said. It, there needs to be a decision made because you can't afford to lose an all-star for nothing in this league. You can't just let them walk away. The only exception to that rule in the past few years has been Golden State, but even they got a sign and trade for D'Angelo Russell for Kevin Durant. So, you know, Oklahoma City lost Durant for nothing. That crippled them, but luckily they had Westbrook. I mean, when you have a an all-star... Those players are obviously way better than Victor Oladipo, but when you have an all-star leave your franchise, um, it really push, puts you back and it puts you either into the lottery um, immediately or you know you, you scramble and you maintain some semblance of mediocrity. So, I mean, Justin, uh, do you think that at this point, do you have to get a coach to appease Victor Oladipo in the hope that he signs on? Or do you do do you basically um, flip it on its head and just get the coach that you think will uh, develop Miles Turner, will harness the skills of Malcolm Brogdon and 
Domasa Bonus and TJ Warren and, and not really concern yourself with Oladipo and what he thinks? Yeah, I actually think differently. I think today had nothing to do with Oladipo. I, I, I think if it was after player exit meetings, then yeah, maybe he said, you know, this isn't on and then KP pulled the trigger. But I actually think Nate McMillan would have still been our coach next season if it wasn't for Herb Simon. Yeah. That's just me reading the reports. I think Herb Simon's come down, told Kevin Pritchard, you listen to me, this is what's happening. And Kevin's gone, okay, sorry, you're the boss. Uh, I honestly think that's how it went down. Um, obviously, players are going to have their exit meetings in the next few days where it's going to be a lot of discussions, I'm, I'm sure, between Pritchard and the players about what happened, what went wrong, what they can do better, what type of coach they should look for. But, yeah, I actually don't think this had anything to do with Oladipo. Um, you know, I still think he's gone. Um, I've just personally, I just, I've seen it too many times before. I, I've see, I see the warning signs. I don't think today's news affects... Oladipo in any shape or form. I wish I could say differently, but um, yeah, one thing I will say, which I, I noticed was a bit telling, and it might change tomorrow or after this um, episode gets put online, but there was no social media post from a player about Nate McMillan. No, uh, none. Usually when a coach gets fired, you know, someone would go, oh, Thank you so much, coach. You meant the world to me, blah, blah, blah. But nothing. Now, to be fair, like, pretty big day in NBA history, though. Exactly. And that, that's why I've, I've held back from it, a sense. It's not the biggest thing, but it's a little nugget that I want to throw out there. I think in the next week, if there's no sentiment from a player, then I think there are a lot of issues behind closed doors. Well, I mean, we, we discussed these issues even dating back to last season where you know, Nate would favour older players over younger players. And that was a point of contention with with a lot of people around the franchise. I mean, you know, Nate, the other, the other element of this that we need to cover is that Nate's staff are still employed by the Indiana Pacers. And it, they were a unit, they were a coaching unit. And they were all, all their extensions were tied together. Um, they're all on contract for the next two seasons or for this season and next season. So, you know, when you're a coach, you usually want to bring in your own staff. You usually want to have your the right people around you. Um, I think there would be, it would be a cold day in hell before Indiana uh, did anything to get rid of Dan Burke or, or um, had that happen. But uh, I think for the other assistants, um, the, the writing's probably on the wall a little bit. Because I think that not only are we going to get a coach in, but I think there'll be a coach who wants to install a certain system or a certain way of doing things. And while Dan's a, a defensive genius, and I think he retains his role regardless, and he's he's essential, um, I think there'll be probably multiple new voices in that locker room heading into next season. And to be honest, that's, that's perfect. Um, I think we need multiple new voices because... The, the only positive feedback about a coach over the last five or six years in Indiana has been Dan Burke. Um, there's not been any real other coach that sort of you, that you've heard people say, wow, that assistant's incredible or Nate's incredible or, you know, they've really got the best out of this player or they've been working with this individual player and really had a you know, dramatic uplift. Um, so we really need a coaching staff that develops, gets the best out of players, um, that you know installs a system that allows us to to play modern basketball. We've been talking about modern basketball all year, 
Um, I guarantee you the Pacers' three-point attempts will go up next year. But we need guys on the roster that are going to make them too. That's the biggest thing. And Alex, you mentioned it throughout the year plenty of times is what were we dead last in three-point attempts per game? You're not going to win big if you're dead last. You know, what do we put up? 86 points or something in game four against Miami. That's just embarrassing. Um, We just need a whole new structure. Um, You mentioned something, Adam, which I want you to discuss on the show, and that's the Malcolm Brogdon dribbling possession. Yeah, I, I... Look, I could be reading far too much into this, guys, but we've seen the the footage of the Malcolm Brogdon dribbling possession. We've also seen some reports that Brogdon didn't appreciate the ISO-heavy offense that Nate McMillan installed. The game was pretty much out of reach at that point when that, when that possession happened. Um, was that a statement by a very, very smart individual in Malcolm Brogdon to basically say, look what this coach has me doing right now? Look, look at the offense that's been installed here or the lack of offense that's been installed because that was such a glaring example of a lack of creativity and execution and a lack of ball movement and a lack of off-the-ball movement by the players. There was no direction to that offense. It was Malcolm Brogdon versus his defender trying to dribble into you know two or three players because his teammates weren't moving with the ball. So I... I may be giving Malcolm Brogdon far too much credit or I may be reading too much into this, but he's an extremely smart person. So I would not be at all surprised if that dribbling possession was basically a way to say, this offense does not work. Look at how poor this is. Alex, what do you think? I mean, it would be one hell of a statement, wouldn't it? And and maybe you are right, man. I mean, we hadn't seen Brogdon do that all season long, had we? Even in the even in the first three games without Domas, people can say, "Oh well, he had Domas, so he didn't have to do stuff like that." He wasn't doing that in the in the bubble, the seeding games. So, you know what? Yeah, we're probably reading too much into it. But like you said, Brogdon probably the highest IQ on the team. And how often would you see a dude dribble the ball in a Pacers system? You know what? What did he dribble thirty, thirty-five times and then put up an air ball? I don't know, man. Maybe there is something to it. I think that that locker room had a lot of issues that didn't get the air, uh, didn't get the time of day, or that we didn't see, and it was all behind closed doors. And it's it's coming out slowly, isn't it? And and some of it we did see. We saw Miles Turner and Aaron Holiday go back at each other a little bit. We saw um, throughout the bubble in the early days of the bubble, we saw Miles and Victor go at each other on a couple of um, bad defensive possessions against the Heat. So. You know, you saw examples of a bit of unrest in the team. And I don't know how many changes need to be made or I don't know what those changes are. But, you know, I know that we've locked in our two franchise big men to long-term extensions. Miles got has three years left. Thomas has four. Um, I know Malcolm Brogdon's locked in for another three seasons. TJ Warren for another two seasons. So, you know, the core of this team is, is in it for the long haul. So the, the question is... Are any of those pieces a bad fit in the view of Kevin Pritchard and the new coaching staff? And if so, um, how do you move forward? And, and notice I didn't even mention Vic because I agree with you, Justin. I think um, regardless of what happens with the coach, I think you trade him. I think that's it. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think his his value is probably a bit higher than than we potentially think that it is i've been listening to a couple of podcasts um nba podcasts over the last few days where they've spoken about you know victor oladipo and doma sabonis for joel Embiid and you know ridiculous trades <laughs> that would never happen like that but you know 
if if we could get an all star for Victor Oladipo or a guy that's a borderline all-star for Victor Oladipo on an expiring contract, you, you do that 10 times out of 10, don't you? Well, well I was just going to, I was just going to jump in there because I saw a report earlier today, or it might've been yesterday that said um, the Lakers and the Nets were two teams that, that were reported to, to be interested in Vic. So Harris Levert, come on down, come on <laughs> I'm down. already on the Levert train. I'd be more than happy with that. Look at look yeah. at how Karis Levert played against Portland. That sort of attitude of I'm going to put this team on my back and come what may, I might hit this shot or I might miss it, but I'm taking it and I'm going to give us a chance to win. That's the sort of attitude that Vic had two years ago that he does not have anymore. I don't think Pacers will trade him to an Eastern Conference rival. We've been historically, if we've got a star, send him to the other conference. Are we going to want to make Brooklyn with Durant, Irving and, and Vic? I mean, you're basically signing away any chance of contending. Um, but I get, look, the, the scary thing is, well, the draft's in six weeks. Yeah, yeah. We need, we need a coach by then because the coach is going to have some sort of input into what they feel the roster should look like. We don't have any picks, to be fair. So, well, you know, so they might just sit it out. Actually, true. I didn't think of that. But I, I, I still think Kevin Pritchard's going to be busy on draft night. He'll, he you always know, is. He always is. Even if they don't pull a trade, he'll, he'll be working the phone. So, um, yeah, we've got to start moving. Like... The conversations tomorrow, geez, you'd love to be on the fly in the wall with Victor Oladipo's uh, exit meeting because if I'm Pritchard, I'm sorry, I'm putting the hard questions to, to you right now. Do you want to be here? I, I honestly would. Like, we, we've fired our coach. We yep. need to know what our next two, three-year plan looks like. Are you in it or are you not? All right, before we jump off, guys, two quick questions for you, yes or no answers. First question, six weeks till the draft. Alex, do we have a coach on draft night? Yes or no? Yes. Justin? Yeah. Is Victor Oladipo on the team after draft night, 24 hours after draft night? Alex? Yes. Yeah, he will be. Justin? After draft night, yes. By the trade deadline next year, no. Okay. Interesting. I I I, I do not think we see Victor Oladipo in a Pacers jersey again. Wow, wow. There's your hot take for the episode. Or is it really take. that hot? Right, is it really yeah. that hot? It's, it oh, might not be. It might not be. It's a, I mild, think, it's a mild take. I think the team will look to trade him before the season starts simply to maximize his value and give whatever yeah. team trades for him a full season with him before he becomes a free agent. I think if you look to trade him at the deadline, he's lost most, if not all, of his value. Yes, you retain his bird rights. You can offer him a fifth year, um, but he's not a max player right now. Uh, I don't think the team that trades for him is going to view him as a max player. They're going to view him as a 25 to $30 million player. So I don't think that really adds too much. You can sign him for that in free agency. So I think at this stage, at this phase of his career and with how he's played in Orlando, they're going to trade him before the season starts. That's well, that's my view. Just quickly as well. And, you know, it's a good take. I like hearing stuff like that because it's raw honesty. But... You, I don't know if you read that report. Two former Eastern Conference executives believe the Pacers are going to trade Oladipo. Now, I didn't read too much into it today because two former Eastern Conference... Yeah. Could be like, anyone. Could be anyone. Who cares what they think, really? But yeah. um, they also said, you know, we're in the same boat with the Paul George thing where this whole thing could be a complete mess with Oladipo saying, sorry, if you trade me, I'm not going to re-sign with you guys. And it just kills yeah. his trade value to every team. And then the Pacers are again sitting there going, great, we're going to get no return. 
and Oladipo is now, you know, fans will hate him, but you can't play him because he's requested a trade to a team. It, this can all end terribly. Which is why you go the, um, the poor man's Kawhi Leonard route and try and trade him to a team that needs him next season and yep. could use him next season. Um, I think that's the only choice. Um, I think New Orleans is a suitor. I think Drew Holiday is a is a um, is a potential target there, just because Drew has more years remaining on his contract, and, and New Orleans will potentially want to free up cap space for their young guys. So, look, I would think it, that's well, an option. While, while we're still here as well for a few minutes, would would you guys package Oladipo with another starter to try and swing for the fences and get a and get a superstar? I've already, I think I've already told you this privately, guys. Um, I, I would trade Victor Oladipo and Demarcus Sabonis for Ben Simmons. Really, Alex? Yeah. Wow. Hmm. Jeez. Oh, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't even know who says no to that. I'd... Yeah, that's that's a. Hmm. I mean, yeah, I think it's hard reading a lot of fans on Twitter. With Oladipo, fans of other teams, they're always like, "What Victor Oladipo are we getting? Are we getting the Orlando yeah. OKC one, or are we getting that one season of Indiana?" So the judge, the jury's still out on Oladipo. We we don't know if he's going to be an All Star ever again. Like he showed us this year, he wasn't great. He he was Orlando wasn't great. OKC wasn't great. It was that one season in Indiana. So a lot of teams are hoping he can be that player. So there's a lot of risk trading for him. I think you have to really look when you look at this sort of thing at, you know, who are the gettable players? Who are the gettable all-stars? There's only a couple of players that you could potentially get that the team may want to part with. I mean, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, something's going to have to happen there at some point. Bradley Beal, something's going to happen there at some point. But we know that, you know, yeah, we know that obviously um, Brooklyn is is after a third star. We know that Karis LeVert is there. We know Spencer, Spencer Dinwiddie. We know that Jared Allen are there. But, you know, I, I very much doubt the Pacers fans would be happy with any of those three players aside from LeVert. Um, they certainly wouldn't be happy with Dinwiddie and Allen. But um, you have to look at Drew Holiday being an all-star that's potentially available in the Western Conference. And you said it yourself, maybe the Pacers don't want to trade Oladipo to the Eastern Conference. So that's that um, seems like a likely trade partner to me. I'm 100% like, I don't know anything, but I'm 100% certain if they were to trade Oladipo, I'll say 90% is going to be to a Western Conference team. They, yep. They're just historically always do it. They mention it in like their meetings after, you know, we wanted to trade into the Western Conference. I'd say they'd be having conversations with, you know, Dallas, Pelicans, Lakers over Brooklyn and Philly. And if you look, if you just go down the list of Western Conference teams that could use Vic, could have the assets to trade for Victor Oladipo, the Lakers don't, the Clippers don't, Phoenix have Booker, they're not going to trade for Oladipo. Uh, Sacramento, yeah, maybe, but I doubt we'd accept a Buddy Hield or a um, Bogdanovich or, or one of those guys. Now, I, I guess there's a potential for that, but it's highly unlikely because of the money that the Buddy Hill is going to be earning. There's going to have to be something else coming back. Denver is an option if they get bounced by Utah. Maybe there's you know there's a pathway there, but once again, you just don't know what they're willing to give up because they're not going to give up Murray or Jokic. And what else do you really want aside from? Porter Jr. And they're not going to give him up either. So, you know, yeah. Minnesota has the number one pick in the draft. Do is there, a, is there a pick trade here? Do we try and go super young and 
and actually swing for the fences with a talented young player. Um, who knows? But I feel like everything's on the table at this point, given the coach decision. Um, I feel like there's there's really the potential to try and swing something big over the next month in Pacers basketball. And I think um, as we come to you over the next couple of months heading into um, heading into the draft, we're going to be reviewing all of these players across the year. We're going to be making some assumptions about their futures in the team. We're going to be talking about how successful or unsuccessful their year was and whether we want to see them on the team moving forward. So for the Pacers over the next couple of months, I think it's going to be a real post-mortem on the season. Um, and I think, Alex, there's going to be some hot takes coming for some of the players on the <laughs> roster because uh, some we feel very positive about and some we feel negative about, don't we? I'm here for it, mate. I'm here for it either way. I know Justin's going to have some hot takes on Aaron. I know we're all going to have some some takes that we'll probably look back on and regret it, but that's what we're here for. So uh, if you're listening, definitely stay tuned, man. This offseason is going to be absolutely massive for, for the Indiana Pacers. Justin, do we need an entire episode on Aaron Holiday? Oh, well, again, I'll just say I was right. He didn't show much in the bubble. So I'm, I'm, I'm still waiting wow. on this Break out yeah. of his. You know, he had one or two good games, and then I hear about it, and then there's nothing else. But look, that, that's fine. There's there's much bigger issues with the with the club than Aaron Holiday. Um, all I'll quickly say is, Pacer fans, keep your eyes open on the next few weeks because there's going to be telling player exit interviews in the next few days. I think it's very telling with what the franchise does, what they post, what what players say into what happens in the future. Like, does Oladipo put anything about the paces on his social media? These are all little things that might mean nothing to anyone, but trust me, they mean something. And we're going to cover it on the Pacer Roos. Thanks very much, guys. We'll talk to you later.